edition of First Down Kentucky, presented by Big Blue Banter. I'm your host, Jordan Haler, and with me as always is my awesome co-host, Darren Durham. Darren, how are you doing this evening? Uh, Like we were talking about before, I finally succumbed to my winter illness, and I am taking all the all the wonderful drugs that they'll sell me over the counter as long as I provide an ID. Yes, we have hit the fourth day of spring, and Darren has finally hit his winter illness. So um, I guess it's about time. Uh, It's unfortunate for you. I feel bad for you. Uh, I just feel bad for you that you're in Indianapolis and you were not able to experience the wonderful Lexington weather today, as it truly has been a beautiful uh, beautiful past couple of days here in Lexington. Sun's been out, taking my dog on a lot of walks. Uh, it's been it's been pretty good. So, how is uh, the wonderful world of Indianapolis? Um, dreary, rainy, cold. Um, I've actually actually this week I still had to get up and scrape my windows before I went to went to work. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to getting back to the promised land. <laughs> Well, we uh, we look forward to having you back in Lexington soon. Uh, and, uh, well, actually, I mean, we're, we're sending you to Kansas City this weekend for the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight, right? We got all that worked out? You know, I haven't seen my ticket show up yet. I'm going to have to ask Patrick. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe it's going to be Allegiant or something, and that's why it's taking so long. <laughs> Yeah, you'll find out the day of that you got to be at the airport in about a half hour and, uh, and get on the plane and go. But, as long uh, as I get like a montage like in Home Alone. <laughs> I, need a, I need a good like running through the airport song. You probably can't even run through yes. the airport anymore. Somebody would tackle you if you ran through the airport for any reason now, probably. I don't know, man. My, uh, uh, about a year and a half, a little over a year, almost two years ago, actually, when uh, my wife and I were coming back from our honeymoon, we were we laid over in Miami and had a matter of minutes to get off the plane, get our bags, get through customs, get to the other gate, and we were pretty much running. Uh, got oh, a lot okay. of looks, but uh, we did not get tackled. So um, <laughs> if you have to run, I think you'll be okay. Maybe that was just because it was Miami, and really, who cares? <laughs> but uh, right. hopefully, hopefully, you will be all right. But, uh, you know, we are in the middle of March Madness here. We, we are closing out the first weekend of the tournament. Um, the Cats pulled off a dominating performance Thursday night against Abilene Christian um, or the Texas Institute Christian of the Blind um, and, and moved on yesterday on Saturday and, and, and took care of a, a pesky Wofford team. Uh, and, uh, and in, in the process, shut down the, the greatest three-point shooter in the history of college basketball and Fletcher McGee. Um, first of all, Darren, <laughs> what did you think about the performances this weekend? And also, is Fletcher McGee the greatest name in the world? Okay. Well, to start, the Abilene Christian thing looked like we were playing a high school team. No offense to those guys, but obviously they were just you know, outmatched. They won their conference and, uh, you know, seemed like they were just glad to be there and that's fine. Uh, I was worried for about 75% of the Wofford game, maybe 80. So I'm, I'm, I was really glad to see us kind of pull away there in the last 10 minutes. 
And Fletcher McGee, uh, like I, I, for one, the greatest three-point shooter thing, I looked at his, like somebody did his split stats against good teams versus like crap teams that they must play in their conference. And like against good teams, he was shooting like 20, less than 20% from three. So, and then he shot like 58% against like the Southern Conference or something like that. So while I like, I enjoyed watching them play Seton Hall. And I honestly, part of the reason it made me nervous is as he kept missing threes, I was like, man, he's going to go on a run. He's this great guy. They talked about how great he is. He's going to, he's going to rip off two or three in a row. And it never happened. Um, you know, obviously, it it seemed like he just kind of chucks them up, honestly. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Fletcher McGee is is a is a legit name. Um, I hope somehow he finds some kind of JJ Redick like role in the NBA, just so I can hear Fletcher McGee as much as possible. You know, I I think it's a long shot that we see him play in the NBA. Um, I mean, you could be a star overseas. I will be sad that we won't see the name and hear the name Fletcher McGee anymore. Uh, but to your point about who he's playing, yeah, you're right to some extent. I mean, he did not play nearly as well against North Carolina and Kansas and Oklahoma and obviously Kentucky this year as he did against the teams in the Southern Conference. Um, and, and I think UK had a great game plan. They decided they were not going to let a dude named Fletcher McGee beat them. And, uh, and and he didn't. But I was with you. I was convinced he was 0 for 8, 0 for 9 or something. I was like, man, he's about to hit two of these down the stretch, and that's going to just be enough. And, and, and they're going to win this game uh, on some ridiculousness that, that he that he hits at the end of the game. And fortunately, he didn't. You know, shout out to Tyler Hero and Jamal Baker for putting on the defensive performance of a lifetime against that kid. Um, uh, you know, Tyler didn't have a great day offensively. He hit some big free throws for us, but he wore himself out defensively chasing that dude around because as he watched against the Seton Hall game, I mean, he just chucks them up from anywhere and they they go in sometimes. So, so for them to have not gone in against us, uh, is truly, truly incredible. Um, and you know, the cats pulled out a win, the, the motto of March is survive and advance, and that's exactly what Kentucky did. They, they're they sitting in the Sweet 16. They're awaiting the winner of Houston and Ohio State tonight, um, and, uh, and, and they'll be back in action next Friday. So uh, we have to wait and see. Uh, I think the Houston-Ohio State game tips off around 8.40, 8.45 Eastern tonight, if you're interested in watching that. Um, I'll probably catch a little bit of it before I head to bed. Um, How good is Houston? I mean, they're a three seed. I didn't realize they were. Houston is is pretty super athletic. Um, they they're they're super athletic. They can shoot the ball pretty well. Um, I think we could struggle with them if we don't have PJ. Um, we've made it obviously through this weekend without PJ, but I don't know if we can make it. Um, through them without PJ, uh, just to give us that that other option, uh, we'll obviously have to wait and see. But they're a pretty good team. They, uh, they play they play okay defense, not great. I mean, at the end of the day, they play in the American Conference. I mean, the best team they played all year was Cincinnati. You know, who lost in the first round. 
and uh, then they, they, you know, they, but at the end of the day, they only lost three games all year. Um, they, they did well in their first round game. We'll see what they do against a not very good Ohio State team tonight. So uh, I don't love the matchup if we don't have PJ. Uh, we can win either way, but I don't think it's a given. Um, you know, obviously Albany Christian was a given whether PJ played or not. Wofford was clearly very tough without BJ, uh, and, and, and so we'll we'll kind of have to wait and see, um, yeah. see what happens. But Ohio State played very well against Iowa State, and maybe they spring the upset. And I don't think Ohio State's a very good team at all, so maybe that's the best case scenario for us. Oh, plus we get a chance to reload at Ohio State fans for something. Yes, exactly. So, you know, meanwhile, there I'm sitting here. I've got the Central Florida Knights and uh, Duke Zion Williamson's game on my <laughs> laptop here. Um, Two oh nine to go. UCF holds a seventy four to seventy lead. Uh, they're currently reviewing what might be a shot clock violation by the Knights. Uh, if it's deemed a shot clock violation. Uh, it'd go back to 72-70 UCF uh, with, with Duke having the ball. That, um, that's that's so Duke, though. Like, I don't – I've watched more basketball this year than I probably have my whole life in a year. And maybe twice all year I've seen somebody actually go to the monitor over a shot clock situation. You know, I'm with you, but I, I can't complain about it because the rule was put in place – after after our cats fell victim to you not being able to review it against Wisconsin in the Final Four in 2015, um, on a on a play that changed that game and gave Wisconsin essentially gave Wisconsin the win. So, uh, if this rule had been in place four years ago, Kentucky goes 40 and 0. I'm with you. It's of course Duke's going to benefit, but uh, uh, yeah, I can't really be mad that they do it now. <laughs> But you didn't watch basketball four years ago, so we don't, I uh, watched we, we that, don't hold I watched that you. tournament run. I watched that tournament run. I I always end up watching during the tournament, so yeah, it's not not entirely true. However, they have been reviewing this call for about two or three minutes now, and I think they just oh. have to leave it. I don't think they can call it a shot clock violation off what I've really? seen. One angle looks like it didn't touch it. The other, it looks like it might have skimmed it. I don't see anything conclusive. Well, why would it matter if it touched it if it went in? I don't understand. Because the shot clock would have – the shot clock hit zero before UCF grabbed an offensive rebound and scored. And put it in. Okay. I got so it. If, if the shot clock should have reset, then – They'd be up four if it didn't then reset. Score. Then they're only up two, and it's it's a turnover, and it's Duke ball. It appears they are not – I have no sound, but they haven't changed the score. So it appears they did not call it a shot clock violation. UCF up four, two minutes to go, Duke with the ball. Come on, Knights, do this. America is behind you. And they got the ball. Oh, they're going. Here they go. Oh, throw it up. Oh, he missed a dunk. My goodness, I am not a color commentator, but wow. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Duke 
nails a three seventy four seventy three a minute forty to go. Um, of course, Darren, Darren, we are going to have a party here in a minute and a half. If if Central Florida finds a way to win this, this will become first down Knights instead of first down Kentucky. <laughs> It will be a, a heck of a thing. But, you know, we've seen this story before. We can all imagine Duke pulls this out at the end. Right. So, yeah. Um, and, yeah, now Duke gets fouled. They're going to the free throw line to potentially take a one-point lead. So, anyway, while we while we do that, uh, Darren, what, are you, what were your thoughts um, about Kentucky's performance? And we talked a little bit about uh, – you know, we what we expected out of Fletcher McGee yesterday and didn't get it. What did you think about the Cats uh, in that game yesterday? Um, honestly, they could have played better. The fact that they won that game, still managed to win that game, I mean, they could have played a lot better, especially in the first half. I felt like, I don't know, everything that could go wrong was going wrong, you know, long rebounds bouncing off Nick Richards' face and, like, just crazy stuff was happening. I really didn't understand why they didn't get it down low to read Travis more. I mean, Wofford had that one big guy who was pretty good, but other than that, I really didn't see much from them. It really surprised me, honestly, that they were able to play such stout defense for a while. Yeah, I think it... Like you, Go ahead, finish your thought. I was just going to say, like you said, uh, I mean, Jamal Barker... Or Baker, I'm sorry, it's not Barker. Uh, Jamal Baker, I mean, kind of saved the day. Um, without him, I don't know if they win that game. No, I completely agree. Jamal Baker is the player of the game. He earned his stripes um, on both ends of the floor. I mean, he only scored eight points, yeah. but for, for him, that's a career high. He had some big shots, um, drawing the foul um, on the three-point attempt in the first half. When Kentucky was down six and hitting all three free throws was huge. He played great defense between switching um, switching off the Murphy kid um, and 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 McGee to, to give to give Tyler Hero a break was was fantastic. Um, you know yeah, that Cats, Murphy kid was that Murphy kid was yeah, on Mur- fire. Was all I was gonna say. Yeah, he he hit a bunch in that Hoover kid with when he banked the one in was ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. when, 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 oh, yeah, no, it's Hoover. I'm, th- I'm thinking of Hoover. That's the one that hit yeah. all the trees, right? Yeah. He like all right, so here we go. Darren, 20 seconds. Duke down three with the ball. Shot clock off. Zion has it. He's he pushes off. No call. He goes to the rim. He scores, and he is of course fouled. Oh my God. So 76-75, Zion going to the line. Uh, I mean, he I threw think... a guy to the floor and then drew a foul on Taco Fall, made the layup. Uh, of course, the offensive foul wasn't called, but that's okay. That's what happens when it's Duke. Uh, he will go to the line with 14 seconds left with a chance to tie the game with one free throw. Okay, so question, right? If he's yeah. down low and you're up three points, why do you not just let that behemoth score? Why even, you know what I mean? Let him get his two <laughs> points agree. and then make them foul you, right? Like, I'm with you, I think. Uh, and, oh, our dude Taco Fall has fouled out of the game. 
So UCF's going to have to try to win it without the seven six gigantic man down low. Um, Zion stepping to the line now. Let's 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 see what happens. Uh, he lines up, shoots it, and misses. Oh, Duke gets the rebound, and R.J. Barrett hits a layup. Duke up one, 12 seconds Are to you go. Serious? UCF with the ball. UCF bringing it up the court. They call a timeout with 7.7 to go. Duke has oh a one-point lead. <laughs> this is fantastic radio. Maybe I'll get a broadcasting job out of this. <laughs> Oh, my God. In true Duke fashion, Zion misses a layup. R.J. Barrett pushes off, pushes a guy under the basket to to reach back, grab the rebound, goes up and hits the layup. So, yeah, Duke has a one-point lead. The rest are at the monitor. I have no idea what they're looking at because I'm not listening to the game. <laughs> but uh, Time, maybe. Maybe the time. I Maybe I don't know. UCF brought it up past half court, called a timeout. Um, so they're going to have, and it, regardless of what what happens here, they're going to have seven, eight seconds to to get a, a all they need to lay up to win the game. So um, they're they're panning they're panning the crowd now, and everyone is you know got their hands in front of their face, saying a quick prayer. Um, and, like, and we're I know, just gonna sit. I know yesterday, like everybody was rooting, the rest of America was rooting for Wofford. But like, unless you're a, a a Duke fan from North Carolina or you're a front runner, like, doesn't everybody in the world want them to lose? Like, oh yeah, unless you're a Duke fan or you work for ESPN, you want uh, you want Central Florida thing. to win this game. <laughs> yeah, like, unless let's you're, be real, people watch March Madness. For upsets, they don't give us credit. Yes, and this would be one of the greatest upsets in sports history um, if this Duke team loses to Central Florida, who who won their first tournament game in program history two days ago. Um, so they were reviewing time there, and they put .4 back on the clock. It's 8.1 seconds. Central Florida inbounding the ball uh, on their side of the floor. So since Central Florida's about to do this, Darren. Let's be positive. Ball is inbounded. Seven seconds. He's he's driving the lane. Layup. Tip in. Oh, my God. He missed a tip in. It rolled off the rim, and Duke survives. You've got to be kidding me. I've just seen this too many times, man. Coach K has signed a deal with the devil. I don't know when he's coming to collect. But my <laughs> goodness, Central Florida had a layup to win the game. It was, a, it was a tough shot. It rimmed out. Another player came through, tipped it back up. It hit every inch of the rim and, and rolled off. Oh, my goodness. You got to think, you gotta think hard. would have dunked it. That is heartbreaking for the Knights. And Duke survives. They're going to the Sweet 16, and, and my goodness, it's just I I don't know why we expected anything different, but oh like my gosh. okay, so painful let's, to let's watch. Recap, let's let's recap the comedy of errors that led to this real quick. <laughs> so we went just from what I've heard, 
from miss dunk to three pointer to pull it within one. Uh, we had what? We had a foul on a two point shot. This should have never been a foul. Should have just let him score, which then allowed them to turn it into a four point play by rebounding it. I mean, what is it? It's you have three of your players and two of their players, or no? Was it? You have four to their two. Yeah, yeah, four to their two. Sorry, duh. You have four to their two, and somehow they get the rebound and put it back in to take the lead. And then you miss your tip in at the end. Only Duke yeah, wins it, this way. Only Duke it, wins this way. It, it was this tough. Like, uh, props. Forest game. It, exactly. You remember how that game ended? That's how this one ended. Yeah. That's how close the shot was to going in. So I don't know. The laws of physics do not apply. Um, you know, it is what it is. They're going to interview Coach K now. I'm not going to listen to that. Um, gosh, that's heartbreaking for Central Florida. They they did everything they could to win that game. And uh, like I said, Duke has a deal with the devil. One day he is going to come to collect, and uh, it's going to be a bad day for them when he does. So, so with that, Darren, maybe maybe now we can kind of focus on uh, back to our Kentucky stuff here. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about the performances this weekend. That's uh, played well. Uh, you know, Jamal Baker played great. Hero played some great defense. Uh, Reed Travis was a force down low. Like you said earlier, unfortunately, couldn't get him the ball a little bit more. Um, you know, I think it was a lot of what we were doing to them, they were doing to us as far as running back and forth on offense and just trying to run each other off screens all game. Um, caused for a tough, tough offensive game. So everyone was kind of tired. Um, and, 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 you know, UK didn't have the depth that they're used to having without without PJ, and then Nick and EJ kept getting in foul trouble. So, um, it's a good game to just advance out of and uh, and 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 get things ready for for next week. Um, what are what are your thoughts, Darren? On uh, do you think we? What are your what are your thoughts on the PJ Washington injury? Let's just start there. I don't know. Like, so first we hear it's not that serious. It'll be fine. He'll probably play Saturday. You know, obviously nobody, I didn't care about the Abilene Christian game because, I mean, again, we beat them by like 40 points. And then you kind of knew that was coming. You know, they weren't really an upset coming or anything. So, and then, you know, Saturday happened and we were worried. You know, everybody was worried because, you know, Wofford was different. But then, like, you heard all these reports that it's more serious than we thought. And I think PJ did an interview where he said he was experiencing 10 out of 10 pain. But that dude was jumping up and down on that cast, like, all night. Both games. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying he's faking an injury, because that's not what I mean. But I just, I have no no way to really get a read on any of this as far as what could be wrong. You know what I mean? Um if it was a really bad injury, I don't think he'd be, you know, as active as he is on the foot. 
but at the same time, obviously they they probably could have used him against Wofford on Saturday. So obviously it's more than just nothing. Um, it's a tough read, you know. Uh, and I, I don't personally have a ex girlfriend's brother's sister's cousin's person that works at the athletic department that saw the X-rays personally to text me or anything. Like everybody seems to whenever something like this happens. But uh, you know, it it wouldn't surprise me either way if he just never played another game for Kentucky or if he was back against whoever we play on Thursday or Friday, whichever day we were gonna play on. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I I, I don't think that he is sitting out on purpose I believe that there is an injury but at the, at the same time you're right it's like we're told that it hurts so much but he's jumping up and down on the bench you know Cal tells us one day oh he's tells us on Wednesday oh yeah we expect him to play and then oh he's not going to play today he's probably not going to play Saturday how does that just change over um, overnight you know I just or not even overnight just like momentary I just I don't know it it makes no sense. Uh, obviously, none of us are doctors. There's probably right. less than five people in the entire country who know what is going on. And, um, you know, we just got to take it for what it is. So we'll have to see when when the day comes and uh, and see if he plays on, on Friday uh, in the Sweet 16. Absolutely, it's it's better if he does. Um, I, I'm I am to the point where it would not surprise me if we never see him in a uh, in a UK jersey again. Um, you know, and not not saying that and uh, that he's holding himself out or anything, but at the end of the day, if he's hurt, he's hurt, and he's hurt enough to be in a cast, and you know, he's got a pro future to think about, and uh, you know, I get it. If he ends up uh, sitting out uh, Friday and then maybe, you know, if they're lucky enough to win Friday, Sunday, and then so on and so forth. So, you know, obviously, Kentucky's a better team with him than without him. And uh, they, uh, they, they, I don't know that they can win a national championship without him. <laughs> At the, no, at the end of the day, to be honest, not. there's no way. Um, there's no way. That, yeah, I just, I don't. I think getting through Houston will be tough. Uh, assuming they play Houston by the time this is, you know, released, you guys will know who we play. Um, I, I think they'd be tough for them to get through Houston uh, without him, and, and they, they damn sure can't get through North Carolina without him. So. Uh, Hopefully he plays. Hopefully he's better, you know, on the foot heels and that it is all just precautionary. And then they just took their chances this weekend and it worked out. So, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But, uh, yeah, obviously they're a better team with him and, and, uh, and they need him to win a national championship. But can't really spend the week stressing about it because there's nothing we can do about it. We'll have to see what team rolls out there on Friday oh, in Kansas City. <laughs> you know, just I know that the Big Blue Nation will freak out all week long, and and they'll wonder and they'll worry and they'll be concerned, and uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, 
you know, hopefully he plays, hopefully that uh, things go well and, and hopefully they, they pull off the big victory and, uh, and, and move on. So in the day, we're two Actually, wins away. Uh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, speaking of, uh, Kentucky fans freaking out and doing what they do. Um, you know, I love a good, like, fan shaming. Uh, I I think I've kind of established myself for that sometimes. I don't agree with the people who this week have been kind of in this, uh, like, it's none of your business what's wrong with PJ mode. Um, you know, worrying about what fan you know, fans thinking this or that uh, one way or the other. Um you know, obviously his dad came out and had some comments about how it's about him and his, his future and things like that. And I understand that, especially coming from a parent's perspective. But I, I think when you sign up to play at Kentucky of all places, but in general, high division one sports, you have to understand that people, for the most part, they care if they their team does well and wins games. They're not really that worried about your draft stock. Uh, so, I mean, I think it's kind of ludicrous for some of these people to kind of be like shaming fans for being literally fans of just like anybody else. Um, you know, they're trying to figure out if he's going to play cause they are worried about the game. They're worried about next week. They thought, you know, we have a legit chance at a national title and, and it just seems like somebody it's become kind of this thing. I don't know, kind of a popular thing now to just be contrarian and, and be like, Oh, but we got to care about, we got to care about what PJ wants. And I mean, I get it. That, that, that's the humanist side of it. But I, I just think the idea that you're going to get people that only know who he is because they care about the sports team to only focus on that is kind of ludicrous to me. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I, go ahead. I was just going to say, and I'm sure if any number of other people we, have associated ourselves with where to hear that they would probably argue me to the death, but that's like I said, at the end of the day, people are fans of Kentucky, not personally any particular player most of the time. Yeah, no, I think you're, uh, I think you're right in that regard. I mean, it's, yeah, it is a tough situation all the way around because, you know, at one point you want to believe he's healthy enough to play, he should play. And uh, if he's not healthy enough to play, he's, he shouldn't. But, you know, I'd like to – I'd just like to know, <laughs> to be honest. I'd just like to know, like, actually what's going on, and that's just not the way it works anymore. Um, they never just – coaching staffs and programs just never tell you what's up. And – um you know, it's, it can be frustrating from a fan perspective, but, you know, my biggest thing is it's annoying to just see people say, oh, well, he's quit, he's done, he's this. Well, you don't know that. Or, well, oh, he's 100% coming. Well, you don't know that either. You know, we at the end of the day, like I said, we don't know. And um, we'll find out sometime this week. And uh, we'll have to see. I'll see what happens, uh, you know, see if he plays. So, but I think you and obviously you and I, Darren, are both in agreement that uh, this run probably doesn't make it a few more games if he's uh, if he's not healthy enough to go. Yeah, absolutely not. It's just which just not going to happen. 
which it, uh, you know, it's tough because this is, this is a team that I think we've all kind of grown to, to fall in love with this year and, and, and really come around on it. So it was a very interesting start to the year there with, uh, with the fact that obviously, you know, no disrespect to anybody, but in, in the past years, basketball season starts around the time football season's going down the gutter. And, uh, and and that wasn't the case this year. And hopefully that's not, hopefully that, that remains true for the next few years, several years, forever. You know, football turned the corner this year, had a great season and was still playing incredibly well and was in the thick of it by the time basketball started. And then basketball season started with a, a horrible loss to Duke and then terrible performances, even in games they won for the next month and a half. They didn't play well. So, Basketball season kind of started slow for fans, and uh, and and all of a sudden we're here, and they are one of the best teams in the country. They can win a national championship uh, if healthy and if, if playing on the same page. There's nothing that can stop these guys from, from from cutting down the nets in Minneapolis here in a few weeks. Uh, so it you know it'd be really obviously unfortunate for an injury to kind of derail all of that. And, and, and obviously, hopefully, that is ultimately not the case. Um, like you said earlier, you've watched more basketball this year, partially probably due to, to me and the show <laughs> than, than, than you have in a long time. And I feel like there's a handful of people who are in that situation. And so, you know, hopefully you can play and this ride can, can continue because it's truly is a fun team to watch. Um, and a lot of guys, uh, a, a lot of guys who are fun to follow and fun fun to root for and and, and be fans of. Um, so we'll see what happens. But uh, any final thoughts about uh, basketball uh, this past weekend, upcoming weekend, uh, before we move on, Darren? Mm-hmm. No. Uh... I mean, so we for sure play on Friday. You were saying, just want to double. Yes, the the Kansas City region plays Friday and Sunday. Um, time to be determined. So okay, okay. Carolina will play Auburn. Um, I would say, I would imagine if Kentucky plays Ohio State will probably be the earlier game of the two because who's staying up late to watch Kentucky and Ohio State? They can get more people to stay up late to watch Auburn, North Carolina. Uh, but if we play Houston, we could could end up being a later game. Um, so not sure of the time yet. We'll find that out probably late tonight or tomorrow. Uh, it'll probably be announced late tonight when, when all these games are completed, which means – I probably won't see it till tomorrow, um, but it'll be Friday night. Win that one, play Sunday for a chance uh, at the Final Four. Well, hopefully I'm back in town. Uh, I know <laughs> how. No, I mean I know how awesome it is to you know the when when the the tournaments going and there's a and we're deep into it. I know how the town kind of buzzes. It's I will say, so, yeah, I will say, if, if Kentucky is able to win the Sweet 16 game against 
um, whoever, whether it's Ohio State or Houston, um, next Sunday night, uh, Lexington is going to be the place to be uh, for, you know, playing, whether it's Carolina or Auburn, uh, for, for a chance at the Final Four. And, uh, and, and it's, it's going to be a big day, a uh, big opportunity. And uh, Kentucky hasn't been to a Final Four since 2015. So uh, it'll, it'll, it'll be a, a fun time. And, and this, this city will be the, the place to be. Um, and, and hopefully the Cats pull out a victory uh, in, in that opportunity and, and, and get back to a Final Four and, and a national title year or as we saw tonight <laughs> the number one team in the country is far from invincible so uh pretty much anybody can win it and uh and and next week it'll be hopefully a a, a really really good time to be a Kentucky fan so um but Darren aside from all the basketball we kind of in the middle of spring football practice and it really doesn't feel like it <laughs> um, right because it is March Madness and, uh, and 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 so that's where the focus is the, the cats have started I think they had their first scrimmage this weekend um, what did you hear coming out of uh, coming out of UK with with the performance on the field this weekend um, didn't hear personally a lot, but, uh, you know, uh, Coach Stoops did do a press conference afterward. <coughs> Sorry. Um, everything I'm hearing from it does sound, you know, we've kind of talked about how once Benny moved on and, and went to the league, how how the offense would probably change a bit and everything. I think we've all kind of hinted at that or it's flat out said we expected it. It sounds like, I mean, it really does sound like they're getting into the meat and potatoes of, of the changing this offense around. Um, I don't expect an air raid by any means, but uh, all Coach, Coach Stoops really wanted to talk about was the development of our wide receivers and the quarterbacks uh, during the scrimmage. Uh, some guys that were listed as standing out were Ahmad Wagner, Isaiah Epps, Josh Ali, so, you know, guys that played last year. And the name that keeps coming up during spring practice lately has been uh, redshirt freshman Bryce Oliver, um, who would be kind of like in that Dorian Baker role, that kind of big possession receiver guy who can kind of play outside or come inside and be kind of a, a big, strong slot guy uh, for, for those kind of things. Um, they also, you know, they also did praise all three running backs um, and mentioned again throwing the ball to them out of the backfield. So, like I said, I just keep hearing like little hint things that sound like we're going to throw the ball quite a bit this year, at least quite a bit more than the past, you know, three. Um, beyond that, you know, a few guys here and there got, you know, get singled out as far as performing well on the defensive side, um, mostly the linebackers. Um, have, you know, gotten a lot of praise. Still not hearing a lot about the de defensive backs, but, you know, somebody's going to have to start there. I think that's the one air that and receiver, like we've talked about before, are the the keys. Well, A, they're the keys to the season, and they're also the ones that are the most interesting jobs that are up for uh, 
you know, up for grabs. Uh, it, on offense, you know, obviously Lynn's got one side of that locked up. You got to assume that Josh Ali uh, is probably your next guy. And then after that, you know, it, what do we get out of Ahmad Wagner, you know, after he's had a year to learn the offense? And you got to hope Isaiah Epps kind of realizes his potential as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how it keeps developing. Um, uh, I'm glad to hear that they've still got the running backs involved, even if uh, it's in the passing game or however. I think all three of those guys have a lot of potential to help this team, especially obviously we're assuming AJ Rose is going to start. Um, it, it it seems like this team's going to rely a little bit more on the offense to score some points, and I think they're going to have to because I think you're going to have that young, uh defense. And, and you know, obviously, youth is is prone to mistakes, so I, I think they they know that and they're trying to get the team to where it's it's going to be able to put up some more points than we've seen the last few years. Maybe not so much get a little lead and grind it out. Yeah. I mean, those are great things to hear as well. Um, obviously, the, the biggest question mark, one of the one of the biggest question marks coming in was, was a wide receiver. And to, to, to hear some of those guys uh, having stepped up early in camp and uh, in the first scrimmage and playing well is uh, a great thing, uh, you know, to happen and and and, and to hear and, and and so you know the hope is the offense does improve and I think you're right the offense is going to have to be much better um, and throwing the ball around it's going to be it's going to have to happen for for them to have success in in 2019. Um, yeah, you know, there's one fear, and, and, and tell me if this is wrong or if you disagree, but my one fear is, is it seems like every time around spring we hear the same thing about the offense and that it's looking really great and uh, you know, the quarterback's looking fantastic and the receivers are looking great, and then we get in the season and it's just not the case. Uh, am I crazy to think that, or, or is that not how it's been the last couple of years? Um, I do think that last year, I think they – I think they were very careful last year not to peep too much praise on any of them. Um, the year before that with Steven, I think they did, and they did kind of hype up what they were going to do on offense quite a bit, and it didn't really deliver. But I do think uh, last offseason, I don't think they necessarily did so much. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think Kentucky fans in general, and it may be just because, Basketball is such a popular sport here. They really do like offense. Um, you know, people who appreciate football are going to like both sides no matter what. But here especially, though, people, I mean, they want to see you throw the ball around. You know, they. <laughs> I have friends, you know, that even this season were just like, oh, we're just so boring to watch, which, you know, to me isn't the case. I like I like watching defensive snaps as much as offensive snaps, but I, I think people are, I don't know, maybe spoiled not the word, but they want to be entertained and win, not just win. And uh, whether that's fair or not isn't really up to me to decide. But uh, I think, like I said, um, 
they know they're going to have to score some points this year and they don't have, you know, they have good running backs, but they don't have a Benny Snell talent. So I think they know their best shot at scoring a lot of points this year is through Terry Wilson. And, you know, there'll be some people that say some negative things about that, but I think he's going, I, I think you're going to see a totally different player this year. I completely agree. Uh, in regards to Terry, I think that, uh, Obviously, my hope and my belief is that he will be um, a very solid quarterback. And, and, you know, he went through growing pains last year, which is going to happen to a guy who, you know, his first D1 snaps, he was playing the best conference in the country. So it's expected that, you know, it's going to be a struggle. And um, I think he made the adjustment well. And there, there, I can't remember. I can't count the number of people when we were sitting there at six and one last year complaining about it. Uh, still calling for Gunner to take the job and calling for the offense to change. And guys, we're six and one. You know, we're we're, we're playing Georgia for for the SEC East, <laughs> and uh, and uh, yet there was just always something to complain about in. I think it is kind of a just a, a fan base in general that's kind of growing to love football and growing and learning football at a high level. Um, just thinking that way, and you know, it's a tough. I think it is a tough thing that we we don't talk about enough around here that we've looked for years at a school seventy miles down the road that has done everything the exact opposite way and played the exact opposite style. And, and we've thought, why can't we be that? You know, because I can't think of another set of schools who are so close in proximity as to Kentucky and Louisville and are rivals like Kentucky and Louisville are and don't play in the same conference. And what that means is they get to play different styles. You can't play ACC football on the SEC on a weekly basis. And you can't play SEC football on the ACC on a weekly basis. You know, But I think we look and we see what they did back in the Jeff Brom days, with, then with Teddy Bridgewater, then with Lamar Jackson and the high-flying offense and all the points and yada, yada, yada. And uh, I think that that matters. I think that affects the fans. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I mean, I mean, I know for sure, obviously, the level of success, you know, Louisville has had is they kind of, you know, has, has created a a complex sometimes. But yeah, I agree. You know, people don't understand the the differences between those, you know, two schedules and what kind of defenses they play and you know, what what they go up against. Because, I mean, if you're in the ACC, unless, besides when you play Clemson, you're not you're not seeing the kind of defensive lines that Kentucky sees week to week in the SEC. You're not, you're not seeing the biggest, fastest, scariest defenders every week. So, yeah, it's really hard to play just a wide open, do whatever you want style of offense. Um, and <clears throat> if you take out, say, like Florida within the Tim Tebow days, 
I mean, how many really like high flying offenses have really succeeded and won a lot of games in the SEC? I mean, Bama puts up a lot of points, but that's just because they play such good defense. They have a million possessions. Uh, Ole Miss has been a kind of an outlier lately, but again, you know, they're only winning seven, eight games. It's not like you know Ole Miss is competing for a national championship. At the end of the day, the teams that win in the SEC are the teams that run the football. Um, and somewhere along the line, we got this in our heads that because Kentucky has obviously some recruiting disadvantages because of our, you know, population in the state and things like that, that we have to run a gimmick offense in order to compete in the league. And it's just not true. You know, uh, and we we put that to bed this year. I mean, I'm sure it's still going to be around, but we proved it wrong. You don't have to, you know, run a gimmick to to win in this league. You can do it just like everybody else. Run the football and play good defense. And, and I think some people just don't want to let that go. Yeah, I think that defense, but look back to the couch days and the Lorenzen days and, and remember how fun that was to watch, but at the end of the day, they still weren't winning the games. You right. know, I mean, I mean, couch, I mean, what the, 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 the Outback Bowl team was seven and five. Right. You know, I mean, I mean, yeah, it was fun to watch on offense, but the defense was terrible and they still didn't win the games. You know, yeah, Jerry Lorenzen threw for 500 yards in a game, but who cares? They, they the, didn't win it. The school record for interceptions. He's, nobody ever <laughs> like, talked about that part. Well, it's all it's all Brett Favre conundrum in the NFL. Like people talk about, you know, Brett Favre was amazing and all that. And yeah, of course, Brett Favre was amazing. But when you throw the ball that much, yeah, you're also going to turn it over a lot. Yeah. So it, at the end of the day, you know, I do what it takes to win. And I think that's what Stoops and and, and Eddie Grant and uh, and the staff are doing, they're doing what it takes to win. And they're going to adjust as they need to adjust to win the games. And it's going to start with strong defense. That's the way that this team is built. That's the way this program is going to be built. That's the way it should be built to win in this conference. You can't just show up in this conference, throw the football around, try to score. Try to, you can't win games 50 to 49 in this conference. You just can't do it. And, um, uh, not week in and week out. You can win a game. You can win a couple games. But you cannot win this conference playing that type of football. You have to play defense. You have to control the clock. And that's what they're going to do. This is going to be an interesting season um, because I apologize if you're hearing this. Are, are, are you stealing a car, Jordan? <laughs> no, this, this absolute moron who lives – in the apartment building across the parking lot from me, his car alarm goes off 10 times a day. Like, I'm hearing yeah, it through a building. It's that loud through a building. Yes. Is it, like, directly outside your window? Um, I'm looking. Like he he turned is, it off. Yeah, he turns it off. He, he's, I mean, Grant, I am in the room by the window facing the parking lot, but... Yeah, it's probably I don't know twenty yards away from me, but through but nonetheless through a wall. That's really loud. <laughs> yeah, that, like that that happens ten times a day. 
that I have to deal with. Sometimes it happens at two o'clock in the morning. So I don't even know where I was in my train of thought. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but back to wherever I think I was. If Stoops is building this team around defense, they're going to adjust the offense based on the personnel they have. The last couple of years, they've had an all-world running back. They've run the football. They don't have that anymore. They have weapons in the passing game and getting guys in space. And so that's what we're going to see. Will it work? I don't know. Are we going to win 10 games in 2019? I don't know. You know, it, we're going to have to see. At, uh, at the end of the day, we'll we'll see what happens. And, and I trust Stoops. I trust the coaching staff to put a game plan together. And um, as long as they win games, I don't care how they win games. And hopefully the rest of the fan base can kind of get behind that and understand that. Um, that it doesn't matter how you win as long as you win. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, that's what matters. That's what gets people hired and fired is winning football games. Um, you know, just for fun, I always like to point out that even Hal Mummy, who I swear they wanted to build a statue for once upon a time, finished 20 and 26 at Kentucky. <laughs> so, this is a hard place to win. You know, I obviously it's that's a tough thing to admit, and then we always just think, oh well, we we just can't hire the right guy. That's all it was. But no, this is a tough place to win, man. Um, obviously, you have the basketball school reputation. You have a smaller in-state recruiting base. You, you don't have a lot of the advantages that you would have other places, and it it takes some patience for Mish Barnhart and a good plan, you know, from Mark Stoops and, and Vince and all those guys, how to get some guys that were tough-nosed and cared about cared about Kentucky, to be honest. Um, you know, you don't think you're going to go up into Ohio and grab a kid like Benny Snell, and obviously they thought he was good, but they never thought he was as good as he ended up being. There's no way. But what you did is you got a kid who was a leader and who was tough and who wanted to make Kentucky football great. I got like Josh Allen, who could have been making money this year, who cared about Kentucky football so much he risked his top five draft stock to dominate the Citrus Bowl. You know, like, I don't think people understand how special this year really was. I, I think I don't mean that in the amount of wins and losses, but the guys on the team that we are going to miss because, I mean, they were, I don't know, it's hard to, it, it's just an easy team to really like fall in love with. You know what I mean? Just like you were saying about basketball earlier, you have these great personalities and these guys who really care and have been here forever. And they finally break through and really win some games. Uh, it was just really, it was a really great year to see. And, uh, you know, obviously we're going to get to know and and really like guys on, you know, this year's team and the next year's team. But guys like Josh and CJ and Benny, they just don't come around all the time. And it's going to, it's going to be a while before we have like a team that really loves Kentucky that much. Yeah. I'm with you. I think that 
Um, this team, this this team from last year will will go down as one of, if not the most beloved team um, of all time. You know, and I don't think that's a stretch to say because it is the guys that were on it, the guys that were there, how well we got to know them, how we got to follow the amount of seniors. Um, and, and then you had Benny on there as a junior that, that were here for so long. And they were here when it was awful. And they came here coming off of a two and 10 year and took a chance on Kentucky. And, and, you know, the year before these guys committed, Kentucky went two and 10. And the year that they left, Kentucky went 10 and three. You know, it's, it's just really incredible. And, uh, and they were a part of it, and they were the reason that happened. And he said these guys and their personalities and their attitudes, they don't come around very often. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll learn to love the guys on this year's team. We'll learn to love these guys on next year's team and so on and so forth. But like you, like you just said, they don't come around that often. And it's, uh, it's special. We have to enjoy it while we have it. And, uh, and this, last year was incredible. And uh, it should just make everyone excited for next year to see – see the improvement of certain guys to see some of these newcomers come in and, uh, and, and, and keep climbing up the mountain. Um, Cause I know this, the staff in this program is not going to rest until, until they're playing in Atlanta for an SEC championship. Um, and even then that won't be enough. So uh, hopefully they continue to continue to try to improve and continue to get better and, and, uh, you know, we'll we'll be excited to to follow the last few weeks of spring practice, and then be excited to celebrate um, the guys from last year's team at the draft coming up here in about a month or so. Um, you know, and then maybe you know, coming off of a pro day this last weekend, Darren. Uh, let's talk about Chris Westry real quick. Do you think that he? Oh yeah. Worked his way into the draft after his performance. Another guy was kind of him and Big George put on some good performances. Big George had a higher vertical than Benny did. That was kind of yeah. We're not going to talk about that. We we don't need to talk about that. (laughs) Well, no, no, it's not about Benny. I'm just saying George is kind of like freakish, but we always kind of knew that as far as physically, like he could do that. I didn't realize Westry had that stuff in him. Like, I never thought of him as slow, per se, or anything like that. But uh, that dude, I don't know if he makes it into the draft. If he does, I think he's still a sixth or seventh round guy, you know, back in the back end. But he definitely made some money because um, the NFL loves measurables uh, over game tape most of the time. As You know, we've talked about the Lonnie Johnson stuff. But Chris running yeah. a four three, and having a huge vertical, and then he did. There was another. There was some other drill he did really well in. Like that guy dominated in every way at that pro day that he could. Uh, it's almost a shame he wasn't invited to the combine at that point. Yeah, I. Honestly, so, I mean, it's, even. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say like, and also at that point for him to be a big corner on top of it. You know what I mean? He's, you know, a six, four guy. Usually those bigger guys don't run that fast. 
No, you're right. I was I was actually shocked that he ran that fast. I thought he would run fast. I didn't think it would be four three. You know, uh, right. But you know, it does kind of make you wonder. Like, I was honestly a little surprised back in the combine advice that he wasn't brought there because of measurables alone. Like, I thought he'd be a guy the the uh, the NFL would want to look at. Um, but. Obviously, they didn't. Uh, I think that he probably worked his way into the very back end of this draft um, off of off of that pro day. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he gets picked up late. Um, also, wouldn't still surprise me if he goes undrafted. You know, uh, at the end of the day, though, I do think he's almost guaranteed that he'll get signed and he'll be in a camp this summer, and, and we'll see what happens from there. Obviously, George having a pretty good vertical for a guy his size and then being as strong as he is, everything, uh, I, I think he could be a good pickup late in the draft for somebody um, to, to kind of add some depth to an offensive line. Uh, and, and so the number of drafted cats uh, might have might have seen a little bit of an increase um, th- this past weekend from – from the performances of Pro Day. And uh, the best news of the week, Aaron C.J. Conrad has been cleared to participate in football activities. He has been cleared to pursue an NFL future and play football. Um, incredible news, first of all. And uh, and I believe he, he, he said there's going to be a Pro Day held for him April 8th, maybe it was. Um, yes. Giving him a few weeks. Participate in that. Yeah, I, where Mike couldn't do anything because of that broken thumb or whatever he had. Yeah, I think they're both going to work out on the eighth for for Scott. Yeah, so that's that's absolutely fantastic for both those guys. I didn't know that about Mike, um, but but for CJ, I when when he tweeted that out the other day, uh, truly ecstatic for him. Um, he deserves it. He deserves the opportunity. I'm sure his draft stock is taking a hit, but the most important thing is that he is healthy. He can play football. He can continue to pursue his dreams, and and he's going to be a steal in the mid to late rounds of this draft for somebody um, because he's a he was a, a early to mid round tight end, and now he's you know probably realistically goes mid to late rounds, and and he could be an absolute steal for somebody. Um, you know, maybe the Patriots go pick him up in the event that uh, Rob Gronkowski announced his retirement today. Just slide another eighty-seven in there, and uh, and he takes uh, over. <laughs> that terrible so as that would me. be. <laughs> right, it'd be so hard for me to see somebody I like so much work play for a team. I, I, I mean, I, I already have to deal with it with Bud Dupree. I, I, it's just so tough. But you know, you know, I think we're we're staring down the barrel of Josh Allen being an Oakland Raider, which just pains me. Um. Well, I don't I like that for Josh. I don't particularly care one way or the other about the Raiders themselves, but I, I do. Yeah, but it pains Josh. me for Josh. It pains me. It pains me for Josh. Well, and then, the the recent stuff I keep hearing is about the Jets. So maybe Josh is going to l- luck out after all. Yeah, Not I truly. I, really I think the Jets so. are a great organization, but it's better than going to to Oakland. I mean. Yeah, and I've heard there's a lot of talk going around that Benny and Josh could end up with the Jets, um, which would which would be which would be something, um, you know, because I think it's almost assumed Kyler Murray will go number one now, which which takes San Francisco off the table 
for, for Josh is Nick Bosa will go there. And then, you know, the, the Jets, if they had the option between Quinn and Williams and Josh Allen, they should take Josh Allen. Um, not even just being biased that he's just a better player. So uh, if he and Benny ended up with the Jets, I guess I could start rooting for them. Maybe they can take over the in the post-Brady okay. era of the AFC. Those two and, uh, those two and Avery, we can... Yeah, we can, we can get behind that. We can get behind that. So, Although I'm um, going to have to unfollow Benny on social media if he goes to the Jets because I, I can't hear the song anymore. I can't do it. <laughs> no, it's going to be perfect. If he, it's, it, it's almost like it's meant to be. Um, but, yeah, I, the, the, the song, is, it was fun for a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, but let's talk a little bit, parlaying into this, some of this NFL news. We have not talked in a few weeks, Darren. I have to know, oh, no. how do you feel? Uh, you know where I'm going. How do you feel about the Bengals being by far the worst team in the AFC North? And at this point, the Browns are going to the Super Bowl. I mean, it's just going to happen. I know that you have. I will put any amount of money on the, the negativity. Fact that the, the Browns won't go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I will bet you anything. The Bengals the are going to be terrible, but but the Browns <laughs> will not. The Browns will get a wild card and be out. Oh, I'm sorry, brother. The Browns are winning the NFC North. Who's going to beat them? The Steelers got rid of all their good players. And the Ravens just, don't have a don't have a quarterback. Listen, Jordan, I know you're younger than me. And the Bengals are the Bengals. <laughs> listen, I know you're I know you're younger than me, but I've this has all happened before. When Dan Snyder used to buy whole teams for the Redskins, and the one year when everybody teamed up to be on the Eagles, and neither of those teams, I don't even think the Eagles made the playoffs when that happened. You know the difference. The difference is. These dudes with the Browns are legit. They are young guys. They have chips on their shoulders. They're led by the marvelous Baker Mayfield. At least one person on their offense that you love so much is going to get a suspension for drugs. Who? Who's getting suspended for drugs? Well, I mean, Odell does videos (sighs) of him doing drugs all the time. You know, well, and, you know, we, we, we know Baker, Baker can't control himself. <laughs> Baker has never done anything wrong since he's oh. been in the NFL. Since he's been in the NFL, okay, now we're, <laughs> we're paring it down to the NFL. Okay, Baker made a mistake when he was a junior in college, okay? It happens. He's not, he's, you know, he's not Johnny Manziel. Don't jump on that train. He has clearly proven he is not Johnny Manziel because he actually reads the playbook and shows up for practice, unlike Johnny who flies to Vegas to go to strip clubs and That was and poor management by the Browns. Everybody who ever watched Johnny play knew he didn't run anything out of any playbook. He just exactly. ran around and it's exactly all over the right. field and chucked it when he wanted. <laughs> That's exactly right. See, see, I'm telling you. The Browns have the pieces. We'll see if it works out. It might not work out. I'm going to believe that it is. I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to be in the camp that that it's going to work out. Um, you know, on a com- not on, on a on a related note, they they will have after eight games an incredible running back tandem. Um, that being said, we had this discussion already 
I think we're both still in yeah. the agreement. Kareem Hunt has no place being in the NFL. Um, eight games yeah, is a they're joke. Disgusting. It's it, team it, disgusting. That's what they are. Well, well it, it's not the Browns' fault that the NFL only suspended him for eight games. If they don't sign him, somebody else will. I don't blame the Browns. It, it, at the end of the day, it's, you know, the NFL well, yeah, is a maybe joke. Ray, maybe Ray Rice will come out of retirement, too. The, the NFL is a joke. They don't care about domestic violence. They don't care about – the only thing they care about is taking a knee for the national anthem, apparently. They, you know, they don't care about these things, and it's a joke. And it's it's a travesty that, you know, I don't believe that Kareem Hunt should be on the Browns. I, it's the only part of the Browns I don't like. And uh, personally, I don't even think they need him. I think Nick Chubb is far more talented and, and will be a heck of an NFL running back. Uh, he proved some of that this year, and he'll prove it next year as a full-time starter. But Jarvis Landry on one side, Odell Beckham on the other side, Nick Chubb in the backfield, Baker Mayfield throwing the ball around, a very talented defense. Browns are going to be pretty darn good this year, Darren, and it's going to hurt you to to see the Bengals win maybe two or three games and come in dead, dead last in that division. No, tank for Tua. That's what I'm on. I'm on tank for Tua now. <laughs> Oh no! I think the Browns are draft. I think the or I think the Bengals are drafting a quarterback. That's what I've heard. They're going to take a quarterback oh, at eleven. I, I thought you. Were, oh yeah, the Browns are going to get. They're going to get a great quarterback. It's like Jesus. No, the Bengals. The Bengals are taking a quarterback at eleven. That's I don't what I've they heard. I, I don't. Um, I don't take, think he'll be left by eleven. They're going to take Drew Locke at eleven. Just oh my it. God! You just trying <laughs> to upset me now. I'm speaking it into existence. Like, I'm just going to have flashbacks to the 1990s. It's going to be horrible. I'm just speaking it into existence. It's going to happen. The Bengals, unfortunately, are going to go into irrelevancy for maybe the next rest of your life. Um, so I apologize up front for that. Uh, hey, but props to the Bengals. They cut Vontez perfect. They finally made that decision. That was a smart choice. Um and, you know, of course, the Raiders picked him up because what else would the Raiders do? Um, in other semi-sad news, our, our man Randall Cobb has to suffer through a year of being a cowboy, which absolutely pains me uh, that he has to take part in that organization. But good for him for getting his money. Hopefully he uh, can parlay that one-year deal into a deal with somebody else. Um, how do you feel about Randall putting the star on it on it, on his helmet? Uh, it's tough. Never cared for the Cowboys. Um, it, I don't. I mean, I don't think it changes anything for them very much. Um, they still don't have a good quarterback, in my opinion. Uh, plus, he's just going to throw it to Jason Witten's old. Decrepit self for the entire year, apparently. I, I just thought Randall would take a deal. Honestly, I expected him to be in New England. I thought he'd take a deal with a with a real contender, not Dallas. Like, w- what's the point? Yeah, it. 
it kind of it hurts me too because my thing with it was, was I I'm at the point where I expect Randall to take one or two year deals for the rest of his career. Um, I think he's done with the multi year deals just because he's he's dealt with a lot of injuries. He and then that's you know with the slot receiver you can just kind of bounce around for a little while and I think that's what he'll do. Um, I'm with you. I kind of thought he was going to be in New England and I didn't love that idea, but. At least there, he could have potentially won a title, got a ring. Not happening in Dallas, man. They're not going to the playoffs. They're terrible. They got a playoffs this year because their division was a joke. You know, the the Eagles will be fine. Uh, the, I mean, the Giants are going to be a joke next year. The Redskins will probably be a little bit better. And, uh, and the Cowboys will be the same. So they, they could get into the playoffs again, but they're a joke. And uh, it sucks. But, but, I mean, I can't root for them. So, sorry, Randall, I love you, but I can't root for the Cowboys to win a game. Nothing, Darren, just no response. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry. I was trying to mute myself. I was sneezing. I was just... <laughs> this situation um yeah i mean i i don't i've never really cared for the cowboys um and like yeah i mean we pretty much hit it it's not like he's gonna get a title or maybe even a playoff appearance with them so i really you know i guess you know at this point in his career maybe it's just about making as much money as you can and you know i can't fault him for that he's certainly put in his time and and taken taken on quite a few injuries so it's just disappointing. Um, you know, it's not like I expected him in Cincinnati or anything. I don't think we were linked to him, but it would have been nice to see him with a good quarterback. Um, well, I mean, he was with Aaron Rodgers, but you know what I mean. It, it a better situation. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, it uh, it would have been, but, you know, hopefully he can uh, he can make the most out of this year and then maybe get to uh, – Get hooked up with a with a better organization, a better situation, and uh, in, in 2020 and moving forward, and uh, more so than anything else, I hope he can have a healthy year. Maybe uh, he'll play well right. enough that the Browns want him. I mean, maybe. Yeah, I mean, lucky. at him, at, if we're lucky, man, they would be great. They'd be they'd be lucky to have him. Um, add him to that receiving core. They need a solid slot guy, so they got some awesome outside outside threats. So, uh, and giving giving him the slot, uh, man, just. 19 and 0, just book it. Uh, Browns 2020 Super Bowl champions, Randall Cobb, Super Bowl MVP. Um, I'll buy a jersey. I'll buy you a jersey. We'll, we'll all be happy. We'll be Browns fans together. Jesus. <laughs> oh, you're gonna you're gonna hate it when it happens, but it's gonna be all right. We're gonna work through it together. We're gonna have a fun fall talking through all this college and NFL football together every week we're, we're gonna have we're, we're gonna have a good time you're probably gonna hate me when it's over as long as you don't pretend that the texans are gonna be good we'll be fine oh we're, we're gonna run through uh the best division in football um and uh and and, and oh no you guys are in trouble now you got nick Foles down there we oh, actually are in the you guys division up. we are actually in the toughest division in football at this point I uh, firmly believe that. Uh, That's ridiculous. The toughest division in football. 
Okay, so so can we can we just take a t- take a time out for a second here? Let's talk about the Jaguars, who have a top five defense. Okay, have a top five defense the last two years in the NFL. Even last year when they were a crap team, that was because of the offense. Defensive numbers are still fantastic. Uh, they've now added a quarterback. So let's see what Nick Foles can do outside of Philly. He's never proven anything outside of Philly, but there's the potential there. The Titans have been good when Marcus Mariota's been healthy. They have a top 10 defense. If Marcus Mariota's healthy, we'll see what happens there. The Colts, Andrew Luck is back. Their defense has improved. They just signed Justin Houston to a two-year deal. So their defense has just gotten even better. Uh, the Texans have a top-tier defense and loaded offensive weapons when healthy, which they will be going into 2019-2020 season. Let's see. Half the receiving core got hurt. But tell me which division is better, top to bottom. Which which division puts out four teams who can make the playoffs outside of the AFC South? There's not one. All right, fair that all of them could make the. I mean, they could all make it at the same time, but. It's fair, any one of them, fair to say that there's a lot of can parody. Win 12 or 13 there's, games. Any one of them can win 12 or 13 games. I don't the believe that at all. And best division in football. I don't. I don't believe the Titans or the Colts could win more. Could win double digit games. The Colts won double digit games last year. Why couldn't they do it this year? They got better. Wait, they did. Right, <laughs> they were in the playoffs. They lost to the Bengals last year. <laughs> okay, yeah, they were that bad in and of itself. That in and of itself. <laughs> they were bad early in the year. I'll give you that. They were bad early, in the year, but then Andrew Luck got back in the groove of things. They got better, and a lot of it hinges on who Nick Foles is outside of Philly. I'll give you that. But every other division, so just in the AFC, the AFC West, the Raiders are a joke. The Broncos are a joke. The AFC North, the Bengals are a joke. The AFC East, everyone not named the Patriots is a joke. The NFC, the East, the the Giants might be the worst team in football. The Redskins aren't very good. The Cowboys we've already talked about. The NFC South, the Buccaneers are never going to be good, no matter how much they try. The Panthers are so hit and miss. Saints will be good. Falcons could win 10 games, could win five games. You just don't know what their, what their defense does. NFC West, just go away, San Francisco. You're terrible. And uh, go away, Arizona. You're terrible. And NFC North, the Lions, the Lions are terrible. The Packers have a whole lot of rebuilding to do. they they got to restructure that whole thing. The Bears are going to be pretty good, and, and, and the Vikings will be okay. The AFC South is the only division right now that you can't say one of those teams is guaranteed to have a bad year. I mean, one of them is going to have a bad year. It's just well, well by far. process of elimination, one will. But it could be it's, – it's not, like, known who it's going to be. They could – it wouldn't shock you if any of the four wins the division. It wouldn't shock you if any of the four wins 10, 11, 12 games. Just wouldn't shock you like it would in these other divisions. If the Bengals win 12 games, then I'm 
checking to see if pigs are flying. No offense. I use the Bengals because of you. Fine. It's fine. When the Zach attack gets rolling with, uh, with Tua and whatever awesome draft pick we draft this year, you'll you'll see. Please. You know what's going to be great is when the Bengals get the second pick in 2020 and miss Tua. And then, all right, well, we'll just tank <laughs> for Trevor Lawrence. And then they get the second pick again and miss out on Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> they just have nobody. <sighs> well, I'm sure we did something to earn this horrible, horrible luck. I don't know what. Yeah, it was called keeping Marvin Lewis for 10 years too many. You say that, but we're about to fall off a real cliff without Marvin Lewis. <laughs> I think people are, I think there's a decent chance that people are going to be like, why did we get rid of Marvin Lewis soon? I mean, Marvin Lewis only had like two sub 500 years, I think. He had a lot of 500 years, but <laughs> two only two losing seasons. No, they're in line for a lot of top three draft pick years that they're in line for. But we'll be here to cover every second of it. Oh, God. <laughs> but, Darren, I think we might have rambled long enough. Um <laughs> Yes, we've crossed the event you, horizon at this point. Do you have any final thoughts before we call it a show today? I just want everyone to remember that when Duke loses before the championship game and when our friends in Cleveland lose in San Diego in the wild card round this year, you heard it here first. Well, I agree with you on the former because Duke deserved to lose tonight. Central Florida won that game. Dudes in the stripes took it away from them. And then the devil is coming to collect. So Coach K and the Dukies better be ready. Uh, That's happening. Hopefully they go down to either Virginia Tech or Liberty in the Sweet 16. Uh Browns are are winning the AFC North. They're going also, to the AFC title game where they will lose to the Houston Texans who will go on to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> okay. All right. Although I I am I am gonna be disappointed to miss out on all the inevitable Browns to the Super Bowl jokes that would come with them actually making a Super Bowl just because well, We've all been making that joke for a long time. It just meant something else. At this point, it's actually a potential. There is some potential that the Browns can make the playoffs. Um, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be difficult for you when that happens, when the Bengals are 0-16. So, we greatly appreciate you guys listening to this episode. Um, I hope you loved my color commentary for the end of the Duke Central Florida game. Um, I know I had Darren sitting on the edge of his seat over there. And uh, get ready to cheer on the Cats on Friday night. Time to be determined. 
against either the Ohio State Buckeyes or the Houston Cougars for a, chance, for a trip to the Elite Eight. Uh, Cats are two wins away from the Final Four. Uh, it's going to be a good time. Uh, we will be back uh, next week with, with hopefully a celebratory show um, celebrating a Final Four trip. And, uh, and uh, you know, again, for Darren... Uh, I'm Jordan. We both thank you guys very much for listening. This has been First Down Kentucky, and go Cats.